We welcome you to another episode of The Point After, episode 13, week four reactions, and what a week four it was. A lot of ups, but a lot of downs, Cody. I'm hurting on this Monday, I'm not going to lie. Being a Notre Dame fan, it's tough, we'll get into it. Uh, But there was a lot of great stuff that happened in college football, but man, week four, ton of chaos. There's probably maybe 14, 15 teams that could maybe win, win this thing when it's all said and done. We don't know. Not a lot of oh, he's raising it up. He's raising up the hoodie there, Mr. Cody Oaks, joining us here on the point after as usual. Cody, how are you? And uh why are you holding that Washington hoodie? Who's the best team in the country right now? I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Mm. Who's the best team in the country right now? If they might be in the Pacific Northwest. They might be in the state of Washington. They might be in the state of Oregon. Mm. There might be two teams that should be top ten teams in the state of Washington. I don't know. I don't know. What a great weekend of football, man. So excited to react to it here with you, Jax. Yeah, all in the Pacific Northwest, too. And it's funny how when we said on Monday, your buy was Washington. And one of my winners was Washington. Um, Joe Klotz came out and had them in in his top three. And then Kirk Herbstreit has them at number one. So what that tells me is they watched the show. Definitely. Kirk, Joel, nice to meet you guys. Appreciate it, guys. We appreciate you. But, Cody, we start every show. Looking at the AP poll, there was a bunch of change that happened. The biggest drops here, honestly, the biggest drop was that I was shocked by was USC moving down from five to eight after, you know, kind of a closer game there against ASU. Some other big drops. I mean, Notre Dame moves down two to 11, Oregon State and Ole Miss moved down to 19 and 20. But let's look through one through 10 right now. What kind of, you know, intrigues you about this? Obviously, Ohio State now in the top four and uh, Notre Dame out of the top 10. Yeah, I think the biggest thing for me was moving Ohio State into that top five. I think they finally were able to get that validation win. Um, mm. If you think about it, their schedule had been kind of soft leading up to this. They had been pretty unimpressive. Um, I guess that 28-point run in nine minutes against, against Western Kentucky was pretty impressive, even though competition wasn't that great. But mm. um, Kyle McCord and Ohio State did something that we didn't think was possible, going into South Bend, getting the win, and Kyle McCord being a big reason why, making some big-time late throws in that game um, and finding his two go-to guys, Emeka Ibuka and Marvin Harrison Jr. on that game-winning drive. Yeah, and I think, it, you know, Florida State obviously moving on to five. Kind of sucks for them. They had a gritty win against Clemson. But, again, Ohio State with the big win there, they jump them there. I was shocked. I would have loved to even see Oregon jump USC at eight. Mm. I thought Oregon looked really dominant against the Colorado team. I mean, scoring 42 points against – any kind of team like that, especially in the Power Five, is quite impressive. And then and then Utah in the top ten, four games in, no Cam rising. And, man, their defense has been looking solid year early. But, yeah, exactly. But we'll look through 11 through 20. I'm happy for the AP poll not dropping Notre Dame that far. I think they recognize, hey, it was a last-second thing. Both teams were gritty, which we'll get into our next segment. We're going to talk about Ohio State, Notre Dame. But them being at 11, Alabama 12. Um, LSU 13, and then you got Oklahoma right there at 4-0. And it's already came out that the game against Texas in a couple weeks will be at like 9 a.m. It's an early kickoff game, which it usually is. But, I mean, Oklahoma, good win against Cincinnati. And then you got North Carolina, Wazoo, Duke, Miami, Oregon State, Ole Miss. Um, Out of the 11 through 20, what kind of stands out to you? I think that Duke, the Duke Blue Devils, Riley Leonard, um, that offense, even that defense over there, some transfers. Al Blades, the Miami transfer at safety. Mm. Um, I think Duke, Notre Dame, 
Notre Dame, you're going to have to kind of get up off the mat kind of quick, man. Can't let one loss turn into two. Um, a quick turnaround for Notre Dame playing against uh, a ranked Duke football team that is, I think, underrated a little bit. Yeah, and we didn't have a chance to say the AC preview when we, we did it earlier, but Duke is one of those teams that I kind of had circled too, like saying, hey, this team's underrated. With with Riley Leonard, he's been looking good. And, again, another team that has nothing to lose. College game day is going to be there, which is going to be a great atmosphere over there um, at Duke in Durham. But my, my First biggest time take- ever. First time ever game day at Duke. Which I love. I love that they're doing that because they could have totally been like, you know what, we're going to go to Colorado again and Colorado USC, like freaking Big Newton kickoffs. already been there three, four times. So yeah. um, I'm glad they're going somewhere else. My biggest my biggest takeaway from this, I mean, Wazoo up to 16 is absolutely ridiculous. I mean, what, what a season they've had so far. Um, them being at 16 is just mind-blowing to me. And then, you know, Oregon State, you're still in the top 20. You still got a lot ahead of you. I think, you know, obviously they've got Washington, I think, on their schedule. They've got USC. They've obviously got Oregon on the schedule as well. But we've got some new teams in the top 25, Cody. Hello, Fresno State at 25, Kansas at 24, Missouri at 23, and Florida at 22. I also think Kentucky versus 22 Florida this next week is going to be a hell of a game. Kentucky and Devin Leary has been looking baller right now. And also another team that killed Boston College, another team I think is going to be ranked after Notre Dame beats our Notre Dame plays Duke. Oh, I'm not going to spoil my prediction. Whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> I, think Louis, I think Louisville looks pretty scary right now. I think Louisville is a team that people need to start watching for. I mean, undefeated, they killed Boston College last week by 28. But when you look at 21 through 25, what stands out to you here, Cody? We got some new dogs in the top 25. And now it's a ranked matchup for Texas next week against Kansas. Yeah, you know, uh, speaking of dogs, shout out the Fresno State Bulldogs, coach, wide receivers coach, offensive analyst, Pat McCann, former college teammate. I know I shout you out almost every show. Just wanted to show you some love, my guy. <laughs> um, no, Fresno State, they're looking really, really good. Like you said, group of five representative, possibly. As long as they don't slip up, they'll probably surpass Tulane for that group of five uh, representative. Mm. And then also, big shout out, Kansas, Jalen Daniels, welcome back. I know, like, you had kind of been back playing a little bit in the last, like, two or three games, but big stage against BYU. We actually picked you guys to lose, um, and Jalen Daniels said, not today, Kansas. Mm. Big win against BYU. Um, Welcome to the top 25, man. Fun to watch. Yeah, when you look at those, you know, the Michigan State job opening up, Northwestern kind of job opening up, you got to look at Lance Leopold, 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 I think his name is. Yeah, I mean, 4-0 back-to-back seasons for Kansas, and the fan base is there too. I mean, they they got a big game this week against Texas, which I think's at home. I might be on the road. I think it's on the road at Texas. Either way, Texas, do not belly flop. I'm just saying, I know I picked you guys to lose against Baylor, but. At Texas, at Texas, yeah. Like. The last time Kansas was at Texas, we know what happened. And mm, who was their mm. quarterback? Jalen Daniels. I'm just saying. I got you. I got you there. That's a game to look at. Well, we will talk about week five in our next one. But, Cody, we got to <laughs> start with the first game, the game of the weekend. And a game that was pretty, very gritty. Kind of give me that traditional, you know, 2000s vibes. Um, just running ground ground pound on both sides. Not No turnovers by either side. Minimal penalties, I think each had four or five penalties each, but Ohio State wins big on the road at Notre Dame. 17 to 14, solidify a big win for them. And uh, you got to give them credit, man. Ohio State came out and they won. But what was your biggest standout? What was your biggest takeaway when you looked at this Ohio State-Notre Dame game? Being a quarterback guy, 
Um, it's difficult for me to not look at the quarterbacks, but I'm going to go past the quarterbacks and just look at the Ohio State defense. I didn't know if they were going to be able to hold up against a physical offensive line, mm. um, a quarterback, probably the best quarterback Notre Dame's had in a long time in Sam Hartman. Um, I thought that ultimately it was going to come down to what that offensive line was going to be able to control in terms of that front four and and or front seven from Ohio State. Um, and realistically, I think coaching took it away from them. Um, there was a screen pass on second and long that they should have ran the football, which would have made mm. Ohio State burn a timeout. Um, so I'll just say this, Marcus Freeman, you got out coached by Ryan Day in that game to end the game. Um, and the craziest thing to me, back in 2005, which I would say was probably the next biggest game at Notre Dame Stadium in the last 20 years, 2005, number one USC goes into Notre Dame. They have the ball, one yard line, seven seconds left. They call it the Bush push. Guess guess what end zone they did it towards? Same the one. Exact same end zone. Man, tough one, Notre Dame. Gonna be kicking yourselves. Definitely a W that you guys should add. Yeah, and it sucks too. My biggest takeaway is there were so many minor mistakes, and the fact that there was ten guys on the on the last play, last two plays, and they stopped one. Um, that really bites. That makes it that that hurts even more. The fact that there was ten guys there. And, you know, if you had the defensive end, who knows if he would have stopped him or not again on the one-inch line. But you had that corner, that boundary corner playing, the basically the defensive end, yeah. reading, the, reading the zone option and McCord, and then trying to make the tackle there is a tough situation. But my, my biggest takeaway – Still almost yeah. made the play. That was crazy. Yeah, almost made the play there. My, my biggest thing is, I mean, both teams on fourth down, but specifically this Notre Dame defense fourth down, the re resiliency, I believe they had two of them fourth and inches – um, inside the red zone. Day was pretty aggressive there. Both teams were very aggressive. Nothing to lose there. But this defense for Notre Dame, and it bites me. Obviously, I'm a Notre Dame fan too. But this team, I, I, I said it I said it last episode, this team is the most talented team they've had in like 10 years. So to see them lose this, like to lose this the way they did, um, when you had, you know, Mitchell Evans, what, the tight end, he had some great catches on, on Notre Dame's side. And he estimated had some good runs too. But I mean, it just bites, uh, especially with Kyle McCord. I mean, I, I didn't think he looked impressive the whole game until that last drive. I'll give him credit. That third and 19 to find Emeka Buka on the one-yard line there was hella impressive. But it's just little things with Notre Dame that, that stood out to me. I mean, two turnovers on down, missed field goal. They lost contain on, on that 61-yard rushing touchdown. But most importantly, Cody, they, they think they dropped three interceptions, including that one on the last drive. Can we get them on the jugs machine, Marcus Man. Freeman? Can we get the DBs on the jugs machine? But again, it's a tough loss. I just hope they can bounce back, back bounce back against Duke um, this week because it's gonna be it's gonna be a tough loss to uh, bounce back on. Yeah, that quick turnaround is gonna be tough, man. I think like I think Duke is probably looking like, oh, okay, Notre Dame, like they're we can they can be beaten, and not not mm -hmm. that saying that Notre Dame was a super team, but there's a there's a mental thing about watching a team go up against an Ohio State or a USC. And if Notre Dame wins that game, their confidence goes up. The national media goes up. They start talking about Notre Dame being a national championship contender, a college football playoff contender. Mm. And there's just something about the mental psyche of an 18 to 23-year-old that plays against that. So it's just interesting to see, like, is Notre Dame going to be able to bounce back and back-to-back -back big weeks? Uh, like you said, college game day is going to be there. Um, I think that they can kind of relax a little bit because it almost looked like Notre Dame and Ohio State both were kind of tight like playing not to lose as opposed to playing mm -hmm. to win. I know you said that they were aggressive on fourth down, 
Um, but ultimately it almost felt like desperation as opposed to like, we're being aggressive. If that makes yeah. sense. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, and we, look, we look back on it too. The keys to victory for Notre Dame. I mean, McCord looked comfortable. I mean, one, no sacks for, for Notre Dame there. Uh, no, I think they haven't had one. That was about it. They had one sack, but again, we said in the preview episode, they needed at least three or four explosive plays. I mean, Sam Hartman, 175 yards passing. I didn't see that coming. I thought he was going to throw for 200, 250, 300 plus. And then, Run the ball, estimate got four, 14 for 70, and then they ran the ball 176 yards. You can't really do much there, too. But, again, the explosive plays, Ohio State wins in that department, too. I mean, that 61-yard play by Henderson I thought was kind of, you know, definitely sucked <laughs> to start off the Gut second half. For sure. Yeah, you know, I think um, – yeah, I mean, Kyle McCord in the fourth quarter when your team needed you the most, two, two biggest plays of the game to me, fourth and twelve. When he hit Marvin Harrison on that dig, and then obviously the third and what was it, nineteen or something mm. like that? No timeouts. No timeouts. Um, which, yeah, like the clock management by Notre Dame on their last offensive drive was brutal. Like why? Why would you even call a screen there on second and fifteen? And let alone, I mean, for Sam Hartman, I think he just eats it, you know. But I mean, again. With Estime, a running back there, the first play, obviously, you know, it sucks. You go, you might go backwards, minus five. But, I mean, why don't you just keep feeding the rock? Maybe, you know, even – maybe it's a little short little pass, and if it's not open, hold the ball. Sam Hartman stay in bounds. But that really just sucked because they were, they were literally chewing timeouts. Run the ball. Make them use that last timeout. Yeah. Texas, Alabama, anyone? <laughs> we watched it. It was literally yeah. the same situation. You're up. You run the football. You win the game because ultimately, and Joel Klatt said this best, timeouts are 40-second blocks. Mm. So if you can get them to use that timeout, that removes a 40-second block from that clock because now they use that last timeout. Now they get the ball back with a minute five and zero timeouts instead of a minute 25 and one timeout. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we'll, yeah, we'll, see. we'll see moving forward here for me again. These two teams look look like, you know, college football playoff contenders regardless of what happens this season. Absolutely. Um, I think Notre Dame, again, I, in our buy or sell, a little spoiler here, I don't think their season's over yet. Joel Klatt said it this morning. I think they still got a lot to, to, to work for. I think they got, you know, Absolutely. Duke coming up. You got Louisville who could be a win, who could be a ranked game. You got eight USC if they can beat them handily. I mean, USC is going to be undefeated in that game as well. On Man, you want to talk about a weekend, October 14th. That's the next one with, with Washington, Oregon, and then USC, Notre Dame the same weekend. Oh, uh, circle that on your calendar, folks. That's the next big one. And then at Clemson, you hopefully look at that time where it's going to be a ranked game too. But um, in your opinion, Cody, do you think Notre Dame can still make it, still have a chance? They're going to need some help. But what's what's next for Notre Dame um, as the season continues? Because, again, we're already on week four. Yeah, I think Notre Dame just kind of removed their chance. Like, that was their – that was their game that they're allowed to slip up. Every other game now, like, their margin for error is now zero. Yeah. Got to win every single game. I would recommend probably winning every single game by double digits moving forward. Um, unless, I mean, USC, if USC is undefeated on October 14th, it could, that can be a close game. But other than that, sorry, Notre Dame, you're going to have to blow everyone else out. Double digits, scores, got to keep Sam Hartman in, which unfortunately can lead to possible injury. I'm going to knock on wood here. Um, you just never want to have to see like, oh, we're up forty-two to nothing. Yeah, well, we need to go get two more touchdowns. And it like, seems weird too because they're not, obviously not in a conference, but in a season where 
the SEC West doesn't look as strong right now. They're, they're both at one losses, LSU, Bama. When they play each other, one of them is going to be out, right? Georgia, we haven't seen. Obviously, you know, if, if they're undefeated heading into the SEC championship, they're in. Big 12, Texas looks uneasy. Sometimes they look good. They look uneasy. Florida State on the road, not super easy there. Pac-12, as much as we love the Pac-12 right now, I we, we both agree Washington's the best right now. But again, they have to – there's such hard schedules. Washington's going to have to play – Oregon and on the road at USC and they got to play Oregon State and Wazoo. So it's like they there's so many and they got to play Utah I think too. Like Utah's still in the mix as well. So there's a lot of factors for Notre Dame but they're yes, they're definitely going to need help and I wonder how the committee views this close win when it comes down when the poll comes out. I believe it's a month from now for the CFP there but um I hope Notre Dame can continue on it. They looked really good. It just sucks the little minor mistakes but again Cody you know those little minor mistakes cost you football games. Absolutely. Absolutely. Like I said, the clock management in the fourth quarter, you run the football, you win the game there. That's just my mm. thoughts. No yeah, reason little- to throw a screen. And if you're going to throw a screen, why would you throw it to the same side as the guy who's known for intercepting screens? And on the boundary ah. side, too. Ah. Why are we, we running a screen to the boundary? And JT Tumalal is right there, too. Oh, angry. Angry stuff. Ball. But again, I'm glad it was a close game. Great game there. I watched it at a wedding and proceeded to drink a lot right after that game. So Good work. Um, but speaking of, we're talking about college football biggest games of the weekend. We got to go to FSU, Florida State at Clemson. This was the game that started out the day. Overtime for Florida State. Great game. They pull out the win 31 to 24. Jordan Travis is a dog. Jordan Absolute Travis is dog. a dog. This is a Heisman game for him. I don't care if it's an unranked Clemson game. It's a tough place to play against Dabo Sweeney and Garrett Riley. But, I mean, Cody. What was your biggest takeaway when you look at this? Jordan Travis, ankle injury. He had a gash on his right hand. They come out with a big win at Clemson. He was tough, man. He played well. He played tough. Um, Biggest takeaway for me was that Florida State didn't fold. In the past, we've seen when teams can get up on Florida State, they'll start chirping each other on the sideline. Mm. Um, And then, like, a 10-point game turns into, like, a 17- to 24-point game, and they end up losing. Again, I said it on the preview show, the last time a good Florida State team went into Clemson with this much riding on the season, it was Jameis Winston, and they ended up winning the national championship that year on a performance from Jameis Winston. Jordan And, and Jameis Winston ended up kind of leapfrogging into the hydro conversation at that point. Jordan Travis was this year opportunity to do the same. So it was fun to watch. Uh, big time, double-digit comeback against Clemson. Good job, Florida State. My, my biggest takeaway here, um, it was the third quarter. And um, Phil Maffa had a 46-yard run, and it looked as if Clemson was going to be up 14. And one play happens, incomplete, second and 10. They go that nickel blitz on the field side. Dude's running for his head. And I don't know how Clemson doesn't see this, but his, his <laughs> eyes are directly on the quarterback the entire time. Makes his way over there. But Phil Maffa, again, a big mistake. Looks left because uh, he's going he's gonna to block and then chip. He's going to chip and then go to the hook route right after – Wide ass open. This, this is the nickel on the right side. Gets him, clocks him, boom, tie ball game. Uh, returns, returns the fumble there from that sack. But I mean, just like that play alone, that Florida State wasn't going to quit. They could have been down fourteen points. But what, what what stood out to me was this defense from Florida State. I think they were pretty gritty on the second half of the game. I mean, fourth quarter and overtime, zero points there. That was my biggest standout for for Florida State. Almost said Notre Dame, but again, I was so confused though. Why? why Will Shifley wasn't really in that much in the second half there for Clemson. 
I mean, Will Shipley on that play, I think he gets it. I mean, no offense to Phil Moffa, but Will Shipley, a guy that's been there forever, and uh, Phil Moffa, who's a junior as well. But again, Will Shipley, more more veteran experience there. That was my biggest oh, – some little minor mistakes there offensively for Clemson. Who looked really good? I texted you too. I was like, Klubnik is dotting right now, and that second half, we got pressured a little bit. Yeah, I like if I'm Will Shipley, I'm pissed right now. Like, why am I like I'm your best player? Why am I? I think you got two carries in the second half. Yeah, two carries in the second half of your biggest game of the year. Mm. Oh no, man, I'd be pissed if I was Will Shipley. So Dabo, let's figure it out. By the way, Dabo. You like the transfer portal now? <laughs> Do you like the How transfer fitting. portal now? How fitting. How fitting. Keon Coleman, Johnny Wilson, the two best receivers. Keon Coleman, two touchdowns, five catches, 86 yards in the game winner. I mean, I mean, Clemson, what are we going to start exactly? The portal. And in transfer portal areas where it was the offensive line, you know, maybe uh, some wide receiver help. I think the wide receiver unit for this Clemson team was pretty average. Yeah, average name, a no- name a receiver from Clemson. I mean, I, I got the raw. I got, I got the roster in front of me, but, but again, I, I don't at know. The roster, my point. Yeah, exactly. In the past, we used to be like DeAndre Hopkins, Sammy Watkins, Mike Williams, like Higgins, Mike Williams. Like, come on, Justin yeah. Ross, all NFL guys. What NFL guys on the roster now at receiver? But for Florida State, I mean, for to go back to back road games like that, you know, score thirty one points offensively, and again, the running game wasn't very good. Only had twenty two yards rushing, but. I thought Travis. I thought Jordan Travis looked really gritty, man. I love what I saw there in the second half of that game. Um, the schedule looks favorable right now. They've got obviously um, they got Miami in November. They've got Florida in November, and they've got Duke um, in a couple weeks too. But I mean, Florida State, man, what what a turnaround by Norvell. You could argue they got the best resume in the country right now. But Florida State, a team that continues to impress when the odds are stacked against them. Absolutely, and I think it's kind of crazy to think about. It, and I know it's kind of hyperbole, and we're still talking about Clemson, but. Is this the end of Dabo Swinney and Clemson being near the sports apex? I mean, mm. if you think about it, it's week four, and they're already out of the ACC championship race. They're already out. Yeah. They could run the table right now and still not be even in the ACC championship game. So, um, yeah, Clemson, time to figure it out. Time to figure it out. Garrett Riley and Kate Klubnik will definitely have, you know, the rest of this year and the next year as well. They'll make a bowl game, obviously, Clemson. But that's not what we're used to being for Clemson there. But um, next game, we're going to talk about two more games, Cody. Then we're going to go to some other takeaways. Uh, Oregon, Colorado. We've got to mention it, obviously, being Colorado is the focal point of college football right now. And I'm not going to lie. Yes, Dan Lanning said some things. But I, I'm so tired of all this hate towards Colorado. I'm so tired of it. This team is projected to win three games. And oh, we're we're winning, we're we're like winning for wins, or we're we're doing this for wins and not for clicks. Um, Dion's trying to change the program. He's trying to show his recruits, you know, the behind the scenes of his of his speeches, of how he coaches his players, you know, the attention, the NIL, all that kind of stuff like that. The things that are starting to move the wave in college football. And you got guys like Dan Lanning calling them out like that. And I agree with what what Dion said. He's like, they're not trying to beat Colorado; they're trying to beat me. Everyone's trying right. to beat me. They're they're jealous of the attention. They're jealous of the the brand deals that he's got. The you know the amount of connections and big noon kickoff and college game day going there and stuff like that. But this Dan Lanning, I just I I thought it was uncalled for, especially for a first year coach. That's I mean they won one game last year. And there's even some people that are like hating Colorado, like oh like Colorado, you know I I told you that they didn't have enough players, or I told you that they're short in this area, blah blah blah. 
duh. Duh, yeah. they had 50 transfers coming in. <laughs> like, what are we doing? <laughs> I don't know. That was just my biggest little takeaway there. But what was your biggest takeaway from either Lanning's speech and then this game too? Um, I think Dan Lanning is right in line with his he, – like, I think Dan Lanning showed his confidence in his team. And realistically, that leads me into my big, next biggest takeaway – Oregon is really freaking good, dude. <laughs> like, Oregon is really, really good on offense, throwing the ball, running the ball. Troy Franklin on the outside, Bonick throwing it, Bucky Irving running it. That offensive line is doing really, really well. That defense, I mean, Oregon is really good. And if you think about it, Joel Klatt said it best. Dan Lanning knows what it takes to be elite, and I think that's where his confidence came from this week. Dan Lanning came from Georgia. He came from the Death Star. So it's interesting to see how his grit and his toughness and his fieriness that he brings from the Southeastern Conference is matching well with the like the flash and the pomp um, of Oregon. So, mm. I mean, I think right now it's a match made in heaven. It'll just be interesting once Bo Nix leaves to see what quarterback he can get to come in and kind of have that same type of grit and toughness uh, that a Bo Nix does have right now for the Oregon Ducks. Man. What a win. Um, shout out to the Quins, Matt and Brendan down there in Eugene, Oregon. Huge Duck fans. Uh, big win for Oregon, which I think solidifies them as not only a Pac-12 championship contender, right up there with Washington and USC, but also mm. a CFP projected contender. So we'll see. Seven sacks. Wow. That's my biggest takeaway, seven sacks. I mean, the yeah. defensive line, offensive line, that's where we said in the pregame show, um, our previous show, that's where, you know, Colorado struggled at. And you can definitely tell there are light years behind that. And I think Dion knows, you know, in the offseason, this next season, he's got to attack the offensive line and defensive line, uh, whether it's recruiting and developing people, but also in the transfer portal too. I mean, Shadora Sanders had like no time. He'd get the ball and it was like a, it was, you know, a linebacker blitz. They didn't pick up. He gets sacked within two seconds. So that was my biggest takeaway there. Uh, it sucked that Travis Hunter was out. I'd love to see him in that game. But, again, Colorado. I, I, I When people were saying, you know, like, oh, I told you so about Colorado. And, you know, people had him winning the national championship and stuff like that. So what? This Colorado team, they're, even if they win only two more games, if they make a bowl game, they win three more games. That's that's a hell of a season what Dion's doing right now. Um, and Colorado. um, you know, they've obviously got USC this week. That's going to be a tough game. But at, you, at home, hopefully people show out there. But I just I, – the, the the slander, the ups and downs for Colorado is just so ridiculous to me, bro. It's ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, ultimately at the end of the day, like, Dion said it. I've said it. Everybody's said it. Everybody who kind of knows culture has said it. Like, at the end of the day, like, if it's not Dion doing this, mm. are we really, like – this upset and angry and hyperbolic about it? Probably not. Yeah. Like, let's be honest. Like, and I hate to say it, it is 2023. Like, it is what it is. Like, at the end of the day, Deion Sanders is a confident, cocky, brash, African-American man who's successful. It is what it is. We're not going to get too mm -hmm. much into it. It's just one of those things, like we said, if it was someone else, we're probably not even talking about it. But because yeah. it's Deion, we're talking about it. And there's backlash and there's vitriol. And people are like, I saw a comment on Twitter the other day that said, Oregon, Oregon is playing for the country. It's like, what? Yeah, like, come on. That's man. Like, miss me yeah. with that shit. Like, we're not going to go back to like this whole like, oh, Trump and all that shit. We're not doing that. 
Like, at the end of the day, mm-hmm. he's a football coach who's doing what's best for his program and the kids within his program. Any one of us would be doing the same if we were in the same position. The difference is his name's Deion Sanders, and he's won and been successful in everything he's done. It is, it's what great, it is It's great for the sport of college football, too. You got more really? eyes. You got more people watching college football. I think this Colorado-Oregon game got as many viewers, maybe even more viewers, in the Notre Dame-Ohio State game. So you got more people watching Colorado. People are going to watch Colorado-USC because it's, you know, obviously Caleb Williams versus Shador Sanders. So um, what they're doing is great for college football. We're big Colorado guys. And we, we said it in the beginning before we even started the show, but we did our previews, that Colorado was going to shock the world. And I've been more impressed these four games of the Colorado. But um, we're going to move on to our last game. As we move on from our last game, we're going to do some other takeaways here. But as highly requested from Cody, a game very underrated, you know, one that's not being talked about with a quarterback that's not being talked about. 21 Washington State scores 38 against Oregon State, 35. 14 Oregon State, they get the big upset in Cam Ward. I'm going to throw it to you, Cody. Your biggest takeaway from this game and why aren't people talking about Cam Ward after what we just saw from this I'm game? sorry, what? What what did you say the score was? I just wanted to make oh, sure. Oh yeah, thirty eight, thirty five. Yeah, you got that right. Okay, you got I, that right. Yes. Okay, just just wanted to make sure we're all on the same page here. Yes, I <laughs> predicted Washington State thirty eight, Oregon State thirty five. I said things get crazy on the Palouse, and what happened? Cam Ward went crazy. Cam Ward right now is a transfer quarterback from Incarnate Word. Can anyone here on this broadcast, other than us two who do our research? Anyone watching this show, tell me where where's Incarnate Word? Where's Incarnate Word? Cool. Got you. Just wanted to make sure you knew, like, at the end of the day, this man, Cam Ward, is a baller no matter where he comes from. Look at his stats right here. <clears throat> 28 to 34. 404 yards. Four touchdowns. A rushing touchdown. He did fumble the ball, which, when watching the game, I thought was going to be a pivotal change like a sudden change, Oregon State was going to go down and take score and make the game closer. But ultimately, the Washington State defense stood out, held DJU under 200 yards passing. Hmm. Now, they did give up some big plays in the run game, but ultimately, when you're scoring points and you're playing from in front, it's it's very difficult to run the football as an opponent because you're playing from behind and you're needing to score and you're needing to catch up. So... Cam Ward, oh my goodness. I think you've thrust yourself squarely into the Heisman conversation. And the reason being is he has a lot more um, stages that he's going to be able to perform on. Still got to play Oregon. Still got to play Washington. Still got to believe they got to play UCLA at UCLA. So all these games are going to be televised, and they're not probably not going to be primetime games, so they're going to be games during the day where those East Coast bias Heisman Trophy uh, voters are going to be able to watch. So shout out to Cam Ward. Shout out to Jake Dykert, head coach out there at Washington State, who, by the way, was a head coach at where? Oh, Incarnate Word. Crazy. Isn't that, how, isn't that crazy? It's uh, crazy. Big takeaway as well, um, the wide receivers from Washington State. Kyle Williams, transfer, Fresno State. Josh Kelly, transfer. Both of them, over 150 yards receiving, Total of four touchdowns between the two of them. They were beating man coverage and zone coverage all day. Um, yeah, Oregon State, you guys are just fine. You got a little, a couple different op- opportunities to kind of right the ship. You guys play at Washington. You guys play Oregon. You guys play USC. So ultimately, I think right now, Washington State, you look really, really good, primed and ready 
tough one on the road at UCLA this week, but hmm. big time win right now. Uh, so the, the they, they actually don't play USC. They do play at Oregon. They play at Washington. So those are two obviously go. big road games. They play at Arizona State, which uh, with Kenny Dillingham and stuff, you never know. At the OC, they looked really good this weekend um, offensively. But I agree with you, Cody. I mean, this Cam Ward guy, you got to start. You got to start looking out for this guy. I mean, top sixteen right now um, with a, with a team in the Pac two. They're trying to vie for you know another Power Five conference like the Big Ten or maybe the Big Twelve to kind of squeeze them in there, but. It's great for college football. I had Washington State pick ninth in the conference. So right now, I'm kind of shaking my head. I did not see this coming. This is probably the biggest surprise. But we do our midseason. It's got to be one of the biggest surprises there. But it's so insane to see the, the impact the transfer portal has had on, on these teams. Absolutely. Like the Washington States, the Florida States, the Texases. You know, it, it's it's kind of even even the playing field in a stance where you don't have a, many elite teams anymore. You've got about 10 to 12 really solid teams that, you know, any given week, I wouldn't be shocked, you know, if maybe, you know, a team like Oklahoma, not Oklahoma, but in any of these, like, you know, like teams that just skyrocketed in, in the polls, you know, like like a Utah skyrockets in the top four. I wouldn't be surprised. Washington, we've said over and over again, skyrockets up in the top four. Um, it's good for college football. The state of college football right now, I'm just, I'm floored by it. It's only week four. Also, I just want to shout out Lincoln Victor, the little homie. Former Northwest Nine quarterback from Union down in Camas, Washington. Playing receiver right now at Washington State. You got rolled up. You hurt your ankle. Hopefully, you're doing mm. well. Much love from the Point After podcast. Hopefully, you're going to yeah. be able to recover. Shout out, Lincoln Victor. Hell yeah. We got we to gotta get him on after the season, bro. Talk about Washington Absolutely. State. Talk about their head coach and all that kind of stuff like that, too. But um, that is our breakdowns for week four. Let's get into some other big takeaways here. And, my biggest takeaway, um, look out for Alabama. Look out for Alabama. I'm just saying. I mean, I, what I said was this is a prove-it game for Jalen Milrow. Yes, that interception in the end zone was tough. But the bounce back after that, the long pass to Jermaine Burton, um, what he can do with his legs, and this defense for Alabama looked absolutely ruthless against Ole Miss. Jackson Dark looked confused. Uh, I mean, again, 24-10 to 10 with an explosive Ole Miss. I mean – 56 rushing yards for Judkins, that's big time. That's big time from this Alabama defense. Five sacks, 10 tackles for losses there, and then obviously an interception too. One of my biggest takeaways, I think Alabama, I mean, look out for Alabama, man. The, the, the SEC West is struggling right now with LSU, a close game against uh, you know Arkansas over the weekend, but don't sleep on Bama. Don't sleep on Bama just yet. I think Jalen Moto is that guy. Just give him some time now that he knows he's the guy. Yep. Alabama's on the rise. I will eat my crow. I said Ole Miss was going to win this game. I said before the year that Ole Miss was going to win this game, Jalen Milrow, you stepped up, you showed up, you showed out. Hats off to you, sir. Big win. I think one of the bigger wins in Saban's career, personally, mm. because I felt like it was one of those, if Alabama loses this game, does it turn into three, four losses down the road? Because they still have Arkansas on the schedule, who just, like you said, gave LSU a tough game. They still have Mississippi State on the schedule. They still have LSU on the schedule. They still have Auburn on the schedule. Tennessee, too. Tennessee's on the schedule. So, ultimately, at the end of the day, like, this was one of those, like, make or break kind of games early in the season. Like, can it lead to success down the road and a confidence boost? Or does it lead to tanking a little bit and maybe losing three, four games in the season? So, shout out Mm -hmm. to Nick Saban. Great job kind of sandbagging us, not even letting Jalen Milrow play against South Florida. And then he comes back with a big ranked win over an Ole Miss team. 
So shout out Alabama. Takeaway for you, week four, besides the ones we've already talked about. Man. Center of the college football world is the state of Washington, man. And or I'll just say the Pacific Northwest. The Pacific Northwest. Mm. Between Washington, Oregon, and Washington State. Those three teams, a combined 12 and 0, smoking everybody. There's, I think, a combined two interceptions between their quarterbacks, between their three quarterbacks. And two and both of them were thrown by Michael Penix um, in the last two weeks. So at the end of the day, three best quarterbacks on the West Coast, possibly in the country. The three best teams on the West Coast, possibly, I'm just going to say in the Pac-12. Um, man, Washington, Washington State, Oregon. You guys looked great this last weekend. Shout out all three of you guys. I'm a Pacific Northwest guy. I mean, I grew up in Arizona like Jackson, but right now I reside in the Pacific Northwest. It's great to mm-hmm. see. The energy up here is palpable. If you want to say right now, because when you look at that, obviously that October 14th game, Bo Nix versus Michael Penix, it's going to come down to the Heisman between those two. Obviously, who's going to show out and show more? Who would you say right now is your top one, two, or three, whatever you want to go, Heisman guy right now? The season ended today. Who are you looking at for the Heisman? Season ended today, it's got to be Michael Penix. To me, I know there's going to be some people down in Eugene, Oregon that are pissed off. I know there's going to be some people maybe um, in South Bend, Indiana. I mean, I get it. Sam Hartman, 14 Mm. touchdowns, zero picks. I get it. But right now, the way Washington's playing, they're undefeated. Um, Michael Penix is the reason why. Um, And I think that he's just been hyperbolic in the things that he's done um, and kind of just stepped his game up. Now, again, Caleb Williams, I think you'll have a say in this too. I know at the beginning we said there's no way that he's going to win back-to-back, but ultimately he's improved his game. I think 15 touchdowns, zero picks. So, and I think three or four rushing touchdowns. So I think he's Mm -hmm. at close to 20 total touchdowns in five games. So, you know, at the end of the day, like, who knows? Like, but right now I would say it's Michael Penix's uh, award to lose. But like you said, October 14th, Bo Nix, Michael Penix, head to head. Let's see. Yeah, that's where it gets interesting too in October. It's like guys like, you know, J.J. McCarthy in Michigan, we haven't talked about, they haven't played much. You've got even teams like, I mean, Penn State, Drew Aller. We haven't talked about Drew Aller mm-hmm. yet, which that's going to be my next takeaway, spoiler alert there. Um, <laughs> for me, when it comes to Heisman, I got to look at Jordan Travis. I mean, a big win against LSU, big win yeah. on the road against Clemson, big yeah. win when your team was down and needed you most against Boston College. I mean, I love what I saw, the grittiness from him. And, um, yeah, I mean, he's he's kind of a guy to look at. Obviously, Bo Nix is another dude. You, you know, obviously, Colorado, is, it's a big win there. But um, what we've seen from him this season, he's looked electric, not only – running the football, but throwing the football. That's been the biggest impression for me is how he's been able to throw the football there. And then, you know, another guy uh, to look out for that, again, you mentioned him earlier, Cam Ward. Cam Ward's got to be in the Heisman discussion too, what he did against Oregon State and what he continues to do there too. But, um, again, very wide open, very wide open for the Heisman. As we transition to October when games are more meaningful and when we get more competitive games, I'm super stoked to see how this kind of, you know, unfolds. Absolutely. Absolutely. Cam Ward, you're if we if I were to have a top five right now, the Heisman Trophy, Cam Ward's in there, Michael Penix, Caleb Williams, Bo Nix, Michael Penix. Mm. I think I've said Michael Penix twice, but <laughs> it is what it is. That's how it, much I think he's gonna win it. Yeah, exactly. Uh, another takeaway for me, as we as we're talking about Washington this much, when are we gonna start to talk about Penn State? Thirty one zero against Iowa. I mean big, big 
Drew Aller right now is 61% pass, 67% passing, 903 yards, 12 touchdowns, zero interceptions. At Penn State, I look at Michigan, and, and it sucks because we're both we both have Michigan winning. At Penn State is going to be a tough game against you. We mentioned before Penn State with Drew Aller and their offense is rolling, but again, probably the best defense that James Franklin had, and to hold Iowa to zero points. I understand the OC is not good, but against a guy like Cade McNamara that's been there before, that's a big statement, a big game. That again, people are starting to talk about Washington the way they are now as maybe the best doubles dominant team right now. I think people need to start kind of leaning towards Penn State a little bit. Very underrated team at seven. Yeah, you know, I think it's interesting because, like, a lot of people were high on Penn State going into the year, but not high enough to put them above an Ohio State or a Michigan to start the mm. season, which was yeah. interesting. Like, people were like, oh, watch out for Penn State this year. Watch out for Penn State this year. But Michigan is no good, and so is Ohio State. So it's like, okay, <laughs> so they're not going to win their conference. They're not going to win their division, but we're yeah. supposed to be watching out for them. I don't know. But, no, like you said, Drew Aller, baller, James Franklin, like you said, quarterback guy. He's done a really good job with not only Drew Aller, but before him, uh, Sean Clifford, um, and before him, Trace McSorley. So, at the end of the day, it's great to see. It's great for college football when one of the Blue Bloods, like Penn State, kind of comes back and is as one of the sports elite. Um, So, it's just fun to watch, man. Shout out those fans out in Happy Valley. Um, I know that that Michigan – when is that Michigan game, by the way? Um, I think it's in November. They play Ohio State in October at Ohio State, and they play Michigan in November. I believe it's a week or two before the game, obviously, against wow, Ohio State. That's gonna so. be, man, and you know that's going to be a whiteout, especially if Penn State beats Ohio State at the horseshoe. Oh, my goodness. Can they go two whiteouts, though? Because they just had the whiteout against Iowa. I don't know if they do two. Maybe just a day whiteout. Maybe they just Why say, not? hey, everyone, everyone, we're white. Not? Just do it. <laughs> One more takeaway, unless this is your takeaway here. I'm going to throw it to you. Uh, Utah winning by seven against UCLA. Great win. Yep. I said it, man. I said Utah has probably, if not in the Pac-12, or sorry, if not in the country, definitely the Pac-12, they have the best defense. That defense is winning them football games when their offense is still trying to find their feet. And so Mm. what that tells me is that Utah is scary. If Cam Rising can come back 100% and be able to play to the level that he's played over the last four years at Utah – Watch out for the youths. I'm excited. I'm wondering when we're going to get him back. And it, this was kind of a good win for Nate Johnson. I mean, Nate Johnson, freshman versus a freshman. Dante Moore being a five-star. He's a three-star. I mean, come on, a little grudge there. I mean, 9-17, oh, yeah. 117 yards there, but all it was also with his legs to uh, Utah. Again, without Cam Rising, they're 4-0. That's, that's- that's, that is scary. That's impressive. Hopefully he can come back there soon. But um, we speak quarterbacks. And obviously, we got one of the best quarterback minds in the game, Cody Oaks, his top five quarterbacks of week four. I'm excited to see this list. A lot of great quarterback performances this weekend, but Cody, we start out like we do every episode, honorable mention. We said that this team wasn't going to win a game all season. They were having, they were embroiled in like the hazing scandal up in Evanston. No one thought that Northwestern was going to be able to win a football game this year. Everyone thought, Minnesota was going to roll in to the Chicago area and absolutely smoke Northwestern. Mm. Ben Bryant said, wait one second, 33 for 49, 396 yards, four big touchdowns, 21 point fourth quarter comeback. Northwestern shocks Minnesota 37, 34. 
Ben Bryant, you are our honorable mention quarterback for week number four. That's a bad loss for P.J. Fleck. That's a terrible Horrible loss for P.J. Fleck. What are we doing? Row the boat, my ass. Yeah. They're number sinking. five. They're sinking. Number five. <laughs> I said that this guy could contend for the Heisman Trophy at the beginning of the year. I thought he was going to go 3,000, 1,000. He's kind of falling off that track a little bit. A couple big games coming up. Might be able to be on a big stage and be able to do that. Jaden Daniels from LSU. Big win against Arkansas, 34-31. 20-29. to 320 yards, four touchdowns, zero interceptions. Um, shout out Jaden Daniels from LSU. You are number five quarterback for week four. Number four. Number four. I battled I battled on this one because he probably had the most high-profile win of the weekend. But um, ultimately, I think it came down to who he was playing against. I, don't, I just didn't think that Colorado was going to be able to contend in this game. Bo Nick from Oregon. You're a number four quarterback for week five. 28 to 33, 276 yards, three touchdowns. You did throw an interception that kind of gave Colorado a little bit of momentum. But ultimately, you snatched it right back. You also had a rushing touchdown. Big win, 42 to 6 over Colorado. Bo Nix, you are our number four quarterback for week four. Number three. At number three, this guy won the Heisman Trophy last year, has elevated his game to new heights this year, um, has yet to turn the ball over, which is unreal um Caleb Williams from USC 20 of 31 322 yards three touchdowns no interceptions two rushing touchdowns so five total touchdowns in a big 42 to 28 closer than thought of before the game win over Arizona State Caleb Williams you are number three quarterback for week four number two number two so this guy was originally at Oklahoma he's an Arizona guy me and Jackson, Arizona guys, but um, had kind of an up-and-down game last weekend against Georgia, responded in a big way. 18 of 20, 288 yards, three touchdowns, no turnovers for Spencer Rattler from South Carolina mm. in their big upset win, 37-30 over Missouri, um, to kind of solidify himself as a possible NFL prospect. Anytime you go 18 for 20 against an SEC defense, especially one that just came back, and beat a good Kansas State football team, you're going to get back on NFL radars. So shout out Spencer Rattler from South Carolina. You are our number two quarterback for week four. And as much as I do not like him, he's a guy that's had a lot of college football experience. So we've seen that recently with a lot of guys who have played a lot of snaps, transition well in the NFL. But we'll see with Spencer Rattler. Keep that phone, you know, ice and dialed. It's going to be uh, – you, you won't hear any rings all day, every day, but you'll get an undrafted – God, I can't stand him. I'm sorry. Number one. Number one, the man is balling, and he's in probably the smallest town in college football. Cam Ward from Washington State, big win, 38-35 over Oregon State, 28-34, 404 yards, four touchdowns, zero interceptions. He did have a fumble, like I said in the game recap, but ultimately he also contributed a rushing touchdown, so five total touchdowns for Cam Ward. All five were his in that game. Big win, ranked win at home on the Palouse against Oregon State. Cam Ward, you are our number one quarterback. And now you've vaulted yourself into the Heisman Trophy conversation. And you have Wazoo ranked in the top 20. Shout out, Cam Ward. You're our number one quarterback for week four. And with that, the top five quarterbacks for Cody Oaks week four is concluded. I love the list, Cody. 
Love it. The adverse, the, uh, the, the wide variety there. Love to see it. Um, and then Cam Warren, welcome to the top five. Welcome to the top one. I don't I think, I think he's been in the, I think this is the second appearance. I believe it's yeah. the second appearance this season for Cody's top five quarterbacks. Um, let's go to buy or sell. Buy or sell time. We'll do buy or sell game balls, and then we'll take a glance into week five. My buy. My buy. I just don't think Notre Dame's season's over. I don't think their college football playoffs are over. I'm buying that Colorado – or sorry, not Colorado. Gosh, Notre Dame's college football playoff hopes are not over. Um, they've got Duke next week. they got Louisville, who's going to be a ranked team, I think, if they you know be undefeated. I believe they play Virginia Tech this next week. Uh, they've got USC. They've got Clemson. I think they got to win USC handily. I think it's got to be a, a big win. I think that would kind of catapult them over a close win against Ohio State. But I'm just not – I'm not sold on their season being done after a last second win against a good Ohio State team. So, yep, yep. Bye bye. I'm buying Pacific Northwest football. I'm buying. Mm. I'm buying Pacific Northwest football. Fifteen and one combined between Washington State, Washington, Oregon, Oregon State. Only loss coming to each other. Um, their quarterbacks are playing at a high level. Their defenses are playing at a high level. Um, yeah, I think the Pac-12. Obviously, it's sad to see that it's their last year of the Pac-12 as we know it. Um, but yeah, you know, shout out to Pacific Northwest football, man. I'm buying it right now. Love to see it. The energy here in the region is is palpable. Everyone's excited. Um, so it's just fun to see. And we go to our sell segment, and this one, this one, this one's tough for me. I got two cells here. Hit it. Um, I had the team winning the Big Twelve, selling Texas Tech. Sucks to see. You hate to see it. You know, you go bold sometimes. You kind of go on a limb there, and you try to, you try to, you know, be bold outside. Say, hey, I have Texas Tech winning it all, and they win it all, and you're like the man of the hour. I was so wrong about Texas Tech. You lose to West Virginia that we had picked last in the Big Twelve, selling Texas Tech. They can't turn around here, but maybe they can pull an upset against an Oklahoma or Texas or whoever to kind of boost their season back up, make a bowl game, and so on and so forth. That's my first sell. My second sell, I'm selling the SEC West. Selling the SEC West. I think only one team out of the SEC makes it. I think this is the year where we get four different conferences in the college football playoff with how versatile, how even – how even playing field it is with the transfer portal and stuff like that. I just think I don't see it being two SEC teams. I don't see it being two Big Ten teams, but I'm selling the SEC West. Those are my two sells. Love it. Love it. I'm going to go. I'm selling the narrative that Colorado season's over. The Cinderella story is over. Folks, they were picked to win three games. Guess what their record is? Three and one. Yeah. Guess who's coming to town bringing all their pomp and circumstance? A top 10 USC team. Who, guess what? Sucks at defense. Arizona State, you think their offense is better than Colorado's? No, they're not. Understand something. Colorado, with their team right now, was supposed to win. They're over-under with two and a half wins this year. Mm -hmm. They're three and one. They were just ranked. Coach Prime has already won, guys. It doesn't matter that he just got blown. He wasn't supposed to beat Oregon. Sorry. He wasn't supposed to beat Oregon. He's not supposed to beat Utah at the end of the year. He's not supposed to win this game this weekend. Don't be surprised if it's close. Do not be surprised if it's close. Colorado is doing exactly what Coach Prime said they were going to do. 
and all the haters and all the naysayers because they lost one football game, albeit they did get blown out. But he, Coach Prime never said that they're elite right now. He even said it after the game. He said, you better get me right now because this is the worst I'm going to be. And he's not wrong. They have the number one receiver in the class of 2025 coming. They got the number one corner in the class of 2024 coming. Like, as, if they're able to start getting some linemen to go with those skill position players, I'm telling you, mm. watch out for this team in the future. So I'm selling that the whole Cinderella story of Colorado is over, man. Colorado is doing everything above and beyond all of their expectations still, even though they lost a football game. Yeah, in a year where the Pac-12 is unbelievable at quarterback right now with Bo Nix, Michael Penix, with Caleb Williams and stuff like that, when they move to the Big 12 next year with Texas and Oklahoma out, if they even if they make the Big Twelve championship with one loss, even no losses, they're going to make the playoffs. They're going to make, they're the, gonna playoff, make the playoff bro. in their next year. Yeah, you wonder how they would do in the Big Twelve. Like if the conference realignment stuff happened like this 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 year, and they were in the Big Twelve with the new redesigned Big Twelve. I mean, who's the best team in the Big Twelve? Like besides I mean, Kansas Texas. State. Besides Texas, no, besides I mean, that's what oh, I mean. Yeah, like, Texas, the new, Oklahoma, the the, you, yeah, Ryan, yeah, yeah, they're going to the SEC like. I mean, Utah, obviously, Utah would be tough being in being in the Big 12. But, I mean, other than that, like, you kind of look at, like, BYU, UCF, if John Reese Plumley was healthy, you look at, like, Kansas, yeah. you look at, I don't know. I mean, you kind of look at it like maybe Colorado could contend yeah. in the new Big 12 era. So, again, like, next year they don't lose anyone. I think Shiloh Sanders has another year, which I didn't know that, but he's – he Dion said it in a video that he's got another year. Yeah, Shador's probably going to come because he can do the COVID waiver exception. Mm, yeah, so, so then Shador's going to come back. Travis is going to come back again healthy. But yeah, the but and the fact that they could do it and contend for the Big Twelve championship next year is incredible. Unreal. People said this was going to take five years. Now what they saw, they're like, okay, this will take about a year, year or two. And with the twelve team playoff, they'll definitely have a good shot uh, to make it next year. I love that sell. Let's get into our game balls as we wrap up this episode. Great episode here, Cody. Um, my first game ball, big win for Central Michigan. They're led by their quarterback, Jace Bauer, Cody. 19-30, 224 yards, one touchdown, but that's not why he's on the list. This dude had four touchdowns rushing, 55 yards, and a big win against South Alabama, who blew the waters out against Oklahoma State. The Chippewas went big on the road. My first game ball is going to Jace Bauer. The Central Michigan Chippewas big win against South Alabama. Love it. Always like to see when the Oklahoma State Cowboys get their ass whipped. Do your research. South Alabama. Do your research. And Central Michigan going there and beat that ass. So happy. So happy. (laughs) Oklahoma State, you suck. That's why you're saying that. My game ball, I'm going to give a game ball each to these two guys. Kyle Williams, Mm -hmm. Josh Kelly, receivers from Washington State continuously beat the Beavers, uh, made some ridiculous one-hand catches against that secondary from Oregon State. Seven catches for one, seven catches for 174 and a touchdown for Kyle Williams. Eight catches for 159 and three touchdowns for Josh Kelly. Favorite targets to Cam Ward. Washington State, big win at home on the Palouse against Oregon State. Kyle Williams, Josh Kelly, you guys get my game balls for week four, man. My second game ball, and I know they lost this game, but they looked really they looked better than most people expected against USC. Um, I'm going to ASU running back Cam Scadabo. 20 carries, 111 yards, one touchdown, but also had four catches for 79 yards and a touchdown too. Um, they're building something there in ASU. The fact that there was everyone there, 
Um, obviously, they wanted to see USC, but they, they made it a, they made it a competitive game. I believe uh, Kelly Dill- Kenny Dillingham said that you know what we can do when the stadium's packed, activate the valley. Um, we we'll mm-hmm. play better than most people expect. Drew Pine and the boys, uh, Jalen Conyers, and I think it's came out that Jaden Rashard might be out for the year actually with his knee injury. Of course, they might redshirt him, which is kind of smart there. Yeah, it's tough with what we saw Jaden Rashada. but ASU. I mean, it, definitely a comeback. You know what they did against. Fresno State last week, you definitely questioned what their program was moving forward. But to make it competitive against USC, I'd I'd give a game ball to Scadabo and to Dillingham being the OC. Now he's calling the plays there for ASU. But um, they lose. But, again, you get a game ball from the point after. That might be better than – that may be better than a win. Love to hear it. Love (laughs) to hear it. I just want to give one more game ball. Kyle McCord, your fourth quarter performance against Notre Dame. Sorry, Jax. Huge. Huge. But Kyle McCord in that fourth quarter, I'll even be more specific. On that final drive, some big-time throws. Um, I know it's a little hyperbolic because you didn't really do much throughout the rest of the game, but when the chips were down and your team had to have it, you made the plays necessary to lead your team on a game-winning drive at one of the more hostile places to play in the country. Um, Tons of pressure. Um, People were questioning you. Love to see you hop up on the bench after the game, pounding your chest, letting everybody know that you were that dude. Fun to watch. Kyle McCord, you get my other game ball for week four. And with that, week four is concluded. What a great week four, Cody. Um, breakdown was amazing today. Great games that came out of the wire. College football is the best. We love college football. We're week four, episode 13. We appreciate the feedback. We appreciate the positive comments. Make sure to subscribe. Make sure to follow us on Instagram. More content coming on the Instagram page as well. Um, big week for Cody. I mean, he's up one game, but he's got three extra points for that prediction score. Got it exactly correct, which is unreal. Um, But, yeah, as we close things out, Cody, your closing remark as we look on to week five. Man, got to love college football. The Pac-12, gosh, I wish there were a way that we could hit the pause button just so that we could watch you guys play a couple more seasons as the Pac-12. Because, man, you guys sure are impressive so far this year. Fun to watch. It'll be fun to watch all season. Fun to watch. We will see you Wednesday, Thursday with the week five preview and our predictions episode. But without further ado, you know how we end the show. Appreciate you always. Much love. We'll see you soon for episode 14 of The Point After. Peace.